Good morning. It's great to see everyone here this morning. How many of you here enjoy going outside and just looking up at the stars? Just looking up at the moon. Last night was a full moon. It's beautiful. If you've ever been able to do that with a telescope, it's actually even more amazing. The history of the telescope can be traced back all the way back to 1608 in the Netherlands uh, by a, a man named Hans Lippersee. He was an eyeglass maker and he filed a patent and uh, this, uh, the, the, the patent was described as a device for seeing things far away as if they were near. Now, the mo most recently, we've heard a lot in the news about another telescope. It's a new one, and it's called the James Webb Space Telescope. And it can see 13.6 billion light years away. It's the most powerful telescope in existence. And, uh, and in case you're wondering how far that is, uh, one light year is about six trillion miles. So I'll let you do the math and let me know uh, when you come to it. In life, we can often, with what's most important, th see, see things smaller than they really are. But with the right vantage point, what once seemed small and far away can become near and large. In Psalm chapter 34, if you turn there with me this morning, page 638 in your Bible, if you're using the ones under your chairs, Psalm chapter 34, we're going to look at just the first four verses. Psalms chapter 34, beginning in verse number one. This is a psalm of David. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit who teaches us and applies it to our lives. And we just pray this morning that you would be with us, guide us and direct us and help us to learn from you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If there's anyone in the pages of Scripture that had situations that arise in their life that could cause them to be afraid, it would be David. As a matter of fact, at this point up in Scripture, David had been being chased for years. Uh, between eight and ten years, David was being chased by King Saul. And David was hiding out and all kinds of situations and events were going on where David was trying to stay alive. Not because David had did anything wrong, but out of jealousy that was in Saul's heart. Now we're living in a time when we could easily ourselves be gripped by fear. If you watch the news, listen to politics, maybe it's fear of the unknown, financial fears, marital fears, whatever your fears may be, fear that is left unchecked can turn itself into something more than it really is. Sometimes fear can grow into a giant, seemingly fierce and intimidating. 
And here in Psalm chapter uh, 34 and verse 4, David said, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. Well, how did, how did God do this? How did God deliver David from all of his fears? Well, I would like us to go back a bit further in Scripture and read about a particular giant that David faced. And his name was Goliath. Now, a giant can be easy to talk about uh, when someone else is dealing with it. But when a giant is standing in front of you, or even worse, maybe invaded your mind, it can become... Uh, it can become... Uh, big and, and seemingly outside of your control. Some fears are rational and they keep us safe. So for example, your children when they're young and you're taking them out for a walk down the road and you teach them to stop at an intersection, what do you teach them to do? Look both ways. Why? Because you're afraid your child would run out in front of the road in front of a car. So those fears are rational and they're good. Fear in itself isn't bad as long as it's based on truth. The fear we're going to talk about this morning is not that kind of fear. The fear we're going to discuss this morning is the kind of fear that can keep us from experiencing the peace of God, the peace that God wants us to have when we let our fears grow unchecked and they grow. Now, giants are most effective in valleys. If you've ever gone through a valley in your life, that's when giants become the most effective. That's when they begin to march toward us and intimidate us. This giant appears in the pages of Scripture in, in 1 Samuel in the 17th chapter. If you would turn there with me. It's in page 330 in the, the Bibles under your chairs. Page 330. 1 Samuel chapter 17 In verse number two, the Bible says, And Saul, that was King Saul, and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah, and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. Now, what makes this valley uh, so intimidating is not the landscape, but it was a champion. And he's called this several times throughout this chapter. And uh, the focus always seems to be, when dealing with this giant, on the externals. And in verse number four, it says, And the champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath. Now, I know you know the story. I know you're familiar with it. I'm sure many of you have heard that as children. But I want to ask you for a few moments this morning just to imagine yourself, put yourself in this story looking across the way and seeing this huge, imposing individual in full armor. We read that, giant, that Goliath, this giant, was about 9 feet 7 inches tall. Now, I don't know if you can imagine that. I actually got a tape measure out just to kind of, for a point of reference for myself, how tall is that compared to me? 9 feet 7 inches tall. I've never known anyone uh, even 7 feet tall, let alone uh, nearly 10 feet in height. And if that's not enough, in verse 5 we read that he wore a bronze helmet on his head and was clothed with what the Bible calls a coat of mail. 
which is a piece of armor made of metal rings or plates, and uh, they, weigh, they weighed about 150 pounds. The coat of mail went from his shoulders to his knees, and, when, um, and he also had these bronze leggings and then a bronze javelin uh, slung between his shoulders. And in addition to that, the, the shaft of the spear, uh, which might have been like a club, uh, the head of it weighed about 15 pounds, and, and he had a shield bearer that went before him. Now, can you imagine that job, being the, the shield bearer for Goliath? Now, this would have been a full-length kind of a shield that would have kept Goliath from getting hit with something uh, that was being thrown at him, or you know, so he thought. So he begins to taunt the army of Israel. And look at verse 8. It says, And he stood and cried out with the armies of Israel, and he said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I a not a Philistine, and you the servant of Saul? So here he is. Goliath is marching up one side and down the other of the slopes, and, and he says, Send me whoever you wish. And uh, if, if they beat me, then we will become your slaves. If, if we beat you, you will become our slaves. Intimidating words. And when they get inside your head, you kind of hear their, their voices and their screams over and over again. And even though you pray, even though you're aware of what's going on, they can grip us. And he shouted to the, to the ranks of Israel, give me a man that we may fight together. Now, by the way, as a point of reference, Saul, King Saul, according to 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 12, Saul is actually the tallest person in Israel, out of the people of Israel in the army. But he wasn't fighting. Saul wasn't going out after Goliath to be an example or to, to protect the nation. He's not a hero. So Goliath just keeps shouting, choose a man for yourself and let him come down if he's able to fight with me and kill me and we will become your servants and, and vice versa. There's the Philistine, his armor clanging and day after day Goliath continues to shout at the armies of Israel where we read in verse number 11 when Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine they were greatly dismayed and greatly afraid. There he is, for all to see. He's as mean as you can get. Goliath was nobody to mess with, and Israel knew it. And they all retreated to their tents. Then in verse number 12, the scripture takes us to a different scene. It moves us a short distance away to a place called Bethlehem. And uh, there in Bethlehem, uh, there was a family with eight sons. Three of the boys were already deployed in Saul's army, uh, or they were afraid with Saul standing there. The father's name was Jesse, and his youngest son was David. David stayed behind, and he says to David in verse number 17, I want you to take these supplies and uh, to those who are in battle. And he gives him uh, some, some supplies, some food, and... Uh, and so Jesse has these three boys in battle, and now he's saying to David, his teenage son, I want you to go and uh, run this errand. I want you to go and take these supplies over to the battle. 
David had never seen the battle before. He'd been there tending his father's sheep. But he hears his father and he obeys. And so he goes. And when David gets there, he comes on the scene and he sees the situation for the first time. And this is a great part of the story. He's talking with the other soldiers. He's near his own brothers and he hears the voice of this giant as he screams across the distance. And David, who seems to be unintimidated, fresh out of the field, just uh, having protected the sheep from what we will read of, of wild animals, which, by the way, is the only time mentioned in Scripture, this situation that he had. So all of this is happening in his private world. He's a, he's a shepherd. He, he's a lover of God, and his heart is pure. The Bible describes David as a man after God's own heart. And in verse 24, it tells us that when the men of Israel saw Goliath, they fled and they were afraid. It says, And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. And they said to uh, David in verse 25, Have you seen this man who's come up? Surely he has come to defy Israel. Everything is external. There's not one mention of the power of God. Not one mention from the, from the army of Israel of the protection that God had promised His people. Everything is on the external. It's all about the giant. And that can happen to us when we face a giant. It all becomes the external. So in verse 26, David asks the question. He says, what will be done for the man who kills this giant? In other words, David's saying, who does he think he is? Does he know who our God is? And obviously they didn't. And David said, well, what will happen to the man who kills him? In verse 25, and they say, well, whoever kills him, they'll, he'll receive great riches. Uh, they'll have an opportunity to marry Saul's daughter and they won't have to pay taxes anymore. That would be nice. Then David comes to his older brother in verse 28, Eliab. His oldest brother heard when he spoke to the men and Eliab's anger aroused against David and he said, why did you come down here and with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Kind of an insult. Who do you think you are coming here? He said, I, I know the pride in your heart. There will always be people who will try to bring you down. You just have to face that fact. When you try to live for God and you try to be obedient to God and you try to do what God is calling you to do in your life, there will always be people who will try to bring you down. And that's what David's brother was doing. David says his reply to his brother in verse 29. He says, uh, what have I done now? What have I done now? Is there not a cause? David is saying, isn't there something worth fighting for here? Then David, the words of David made its way to Saul. In verse 31, it says, Now when the words from David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, 
Let no, man, no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Look at Saul's reply. And Saul said to David, You're not able to against, go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. How encouraging. David, you're not able to do that. Do you realize you're just a, a boy, a teenager, around the age of 15? There's no way that you could possibly go and fight this giant. And then in verse 34, David says, You don't understand, King Saul. Back when I was keeping my father's sheep, there was a lion and a bear, and they came and they took a lamb from the flock. And I went out and I attacked and killed him. I have fought the lion and the bear, and God has given me victory David said, the Lord who has delivered me from this will surely deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. Look at David's eyes. Dave's, David's eyes are on the Lord. What a wonderful way to deal with giants. In verse 38, what did Saul try to do next? So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head, and he clothed him with a coat of mail. David, in verse 39, fastened uh, his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he, did not, he had not tested them. David said to Saul, I cannot walk in these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. David's method of battle that he had learned from the Lord was not these coats of armor or these swords or these weapons that Saul was trying to give him. David said, I can't fight in this. I haven't tested them. Saul, like I said, was a very big man. David, not so big. And you imagine him standing there, kind of looks like uh, your, your kids when they try to wear your clothes. You know, they try to put their feet in your, your big shoes and they kind of clob around the house with them. And then in verse 40, says, and after David took him off, it says that he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had and his sling was in his hand and he drew near uh, the giant, the Philistine. And so the Philistine came near and began drawing near David and the man who bore the shield went before him and, and when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog, that you would come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give you the, to your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. And then listen to David's response. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Goliath had never heard words like that before. In verse 46, This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcass of the camp of Philistine to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, to all the earth, that, so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Wow. 
What a difference. What a different perspective on the situation. David says to Goliath, just so that you know what's going to happen here, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to take your head. And then in verse 51, the Bible says, therefore David, excuse me, in verse 48, so it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David that he hurried and ran toward the armies to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and he took out a stone and he slung it. And he struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in David's hands. David didn't fight with swords. David learned to fight with these stones and a sling and a staff. He practiced it. He cultivated it. And in verse 51, it says, Therefore David ran, and he stood over the Philistine. He took his sword, and he drew it out of its sheath, and killed him, and he cut off his head. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley, and there they were. David had won the victory over Goliath. Verse 54, it says, David took the head of the Philistine and he brought it to Jerusalem. You can just picture David there holding up the head of Goliath and saying, he's nothing. He's nothing compared to God. And notice in verse 54 that David took the he- uh, after he took the head to the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, the Bible says, but he put his armor in his tent. Now, I don't think we should go over that too quickly because I think it's significant. There are some commentators who say, well, you know, in the battle, there, there was a short supply of certain metals and armor, and obviously the size of, of uh, Goliath's battle array would have been great, would have been useful. But I think it was much deeper than that. I think it was to remember what God had done. I think David took that armor and he put it in his tent because he wanted it in a later time to be able to look back and remember that this, this victory that God had given him. And you think, what else might he had maybe in his tent? Maybe uh, the, the, uh, the mane of a lion or the paw of a bear? Just just a reminder of those battles in the past where God has brought victory through him. Now, I went through that rather quickly. There's a lot of verses there. But there's five points, I think, that the Lord wants us to remember about this story. And point number one is this. Remember that the giant in your way is not as big as it seems. Remember the giant in your way is not as big as it seems compared to God. No matter what you're facing in your life, no matter what your giant may be that you're dealing with, no matter the struggles that you have in your life, they're not as big as God. Point number two, 
your ability to face a giant depends on how you prepare. Your ability to face a giant depends on how you prepare. Look at what the Bible says in Isaiah 26.3. It says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. David didn't wait to the day of the battle to prepare to fight this giant. David began back in the field, back when he was tending his father's sheep. David learned back then to trust God, to look at God. In verse point number three, the battle belongs to the Lord. Your battle belongs to the Lord. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshly, but they are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The moment you try to fight battles in the flesh is the moment you will suffer defeat. God has given us spiritual weapons to face our giants. He's given us His Word. He's given us prayer. He's given us His Holy Spirit. And if we will use those weapons and cultivate those weapons daily, we'll be ready for the battle when it comes. Point four. Remember victories of the past. Remember victories of the past. Remember those times in your life when God has given you victory. Remember those challenges that you seemed, that seemed huge and big and, and, and enormous. Remember the victories that God has given you. Maybe you're here this morning and you can't think of any victory that God has given you in your life. Well, I'd like to challenge you this morning to think about the cross. There was another that came from Bethlehem, and his name was Jesus. And he was the greatest warrior that ever existed. And on that cross, there were so many things that happened there that you and I will never be able to imagine it. But he fought a battle on that cross. He took all of our sin, all of my sin, all of your sin, all the sins we've ever committed or will ever commit, all the sins that, that were ever committed from the beginning of time to the end of time. He took all that sin on his own body. The Bible says it this way, that he who knew no sin, he became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God through him. So if you have a hard time of thinking about a battle that you have won or a battle that's been won on your behalf, don't forget the cross. And you might be here this morning and maybe, well, you've, you've heard of Jesus, you've heard of the cross, you, 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 you know that he died, but you've never made that real for yourself. You've never made that 
a part of your life. Well, I just told you what Jesus did. He, 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 he hung on that cross and He bore your sin and your shame, my sin and my shame. He took all that upon Himself and He died. But the Bible says that God raised Him up from the dead on that third day, proving that He was victorious over sin and death and the devil. So what must you do? The Bible says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you and I are willing to turn from our way and turn to God and place our faith and trust in Him, believe in your heart that He died for you and He took your sin and your shame and realizing that you can't save yourself, that only God can save you, only Jesus can save you. He's already done the work. He already won the victory. But you have to take it for yourself. And you can do that this morning by saying, God, I know that I've sinned against you. I know that if left to my own devices, I'm deserving of hell. But I know you love me and I know you died for me and I know that you died for my sins. Forgive me. Come into my life and save me. Change me. And if you do that, the Bible says God will forgive you of every sin you've ever committed. He'll forgive you of every sin you'll ever will commit. He'll grant you the gift of eternal life. And that's not all. He gives you His Holy Spirit who empowers you to live for Him. The greatest battle ever won. And point number five. Learn to see God big. Learn to see God big. In Psalms chapter 34 and verse 3, David wrote, O oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. To magnify God does not mean that we make God big. You and I can't make God big. To magnify God means that we see God big. That when we look at life's problems and we look at the challenges that come into our lives as Christians, that we see God through them. When David was standing in front of Goliath and there's this big nine-foot, seven-inch man in front of him, David was looking right past Goliath and he was looking at God. And that's what we have to do. No matter how big your problems may be, no matter how many challenges you might have in your life, the key to victory is to learn to see God big. He's bigger than all your problems. He's bigger than all your challenges. And when those giants come, and they will, and when the problems come in life, and they will, you can say in your heart, God is bigger still. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your goodness. And Father, I thank you for your love and, and for the fact that you have given us these instructions in your word on how we can battle the giants that we face in our lives. Lord, I thank you that you have 
given us the greatest victory, and that is the victory of the cross. The victory that Jesus has won for us. And Lord, if you're willing to do all that, I'm sure you're willing to help us with these other challenges that we have in our lives. Lord, help us to see you big. Help us to see you for who you are. And Lord, we thank you, we praise you, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Dan. That was awesome. We're going to encourage you, huh? Thank you. Before you go today,